everyone and welcome to the roadmap from auto finance news since 1996 the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing it is monday september 27th and i'm amanda harris and i'm joined today by joey pizzolato uh, this is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending september 24th 2021 um, before we start as always i want to thank our advertisers uh, alpha DeFi solutions equifax and multis kluwer for their continuing support um, and then some general automotive news to start us off, electric vehicle maker Polster, which is backed by Volvo Car Group and actor Leonardo DiCaprio, is going public by combining with a special purpose acquisition company, or SPAC, in a $20 billion deal. Uh, Polestar, which is targeting 29,000 vehicle sales this year and 290,000 deliveries for 2025, will use about 1.5 billion of proceeds to bring three new models to market within the next three years. Uh, Volvo also announced it would invest up to 600 million more in Polster following the combination, which gives Volvo about a 50% holding. Uh, meanwhile, the semiconductor chip shortage is now estimated to have cost automakers about $200 billion, $210 billion in sales this year. Uh, Alex Partners predicts automakers across the globe will build 7.7 .7 million fewer vehicles this year due to the worsening chip shortage and dwindling supply. Um, at the same time, car prices continue to climb, uh, surpassed 43,000 on average in August. Um, I actually followed this this week um, and learned that many consumers are postponing their vehicle purchases now amid the chip shortage. And those who can find a vehicle are still willing to pay up to 13% above the MSRP. Um, in an August poll by Kelly Blue Book, it stated 48% of consumers that they polled um, indicated they will wait at least three months to purchase a new car, um, which is up from 37% in a similar study they did in May. So from May to August um, went up quite a bit for more people postponing, um, like I said, at least three months. Some are wait, willing to wait longer up to seven months a year in some cases for the car that they want. Um, another 38% said that they would instead buy a used vehicle if they can't find the new car they want. Um, and that's also up from 23% in May. But the problem is even with consumers going to the used side, they're running into the same problems. There's still short supply and the prices are very high on the used car side as well. Uh, so even ones who are willing to go that route uh, still can't really find what they want in the price range or the specific car that they want. It's facing the same problems. Um, as a result, new vehicle sales have been slowing for the past four months. Uh, September is actually expected to be one of the lowest selling months in the last decade. Um, so we'll have to see if things improve, but it definitely looks like the problems of the low supply and the chip shortage are going to persist for at least the rest of this year. Um, and there is growing concern now that this seems to be having an actual impact on new vehicle sales and on customers postponing their purchases or even opting out of the new vehicle market completely and getting a used car instead because they're just, they just can't wait any longer. Um, so definitely we'll be following that more closely to see kind of what the other impacts are um, going forward. Uh, this week, the auto finance news team also um, has an interesting update from a case dating back to, I believe, 2018. 
Uh, so the co-founders of the now defunct subprime auto lender auto finance or honor finance, auto finance <laughs> have been accused by the Securities and Exchange Commission of defrauding investors by artificially propping up loan performance and its only asset-backed securitization issuance. So Joey, I believe you've been following Honor Finance's legal woes for a few years now. So what are some of the takeaways and kind of how did we get here? Sure, um, I guess we'll start with, with some of the takeaways. Um, just to get it, get it get it out of the way here, um, I think you know what what this underscores is you know the SEC um, has authority, especially when it comes to securities, to hold individuals liable uh, for you know what they might perceive as you know either egregious or illegal activities as it relates to um, defrauding investors. Um, we've seen this you know in the past um, in auto, uh, the SEC has um, you know tangled with uh, Elon Musk. Uh, numerous times and has been fined for statements he's made on Twitter about um, their stock price um, and things that the SEC considered uh, market manipulation. So this is definitely something that um, is well within uh, the regulator's purview. Um, I think, you know, kind of just as a quick recap of, of what, how we got here, right? This, this dates back to um, really 2016 when Honor Finance issued its, its 100 first and only, like you mentioned, 100 million securitization. Um, immediately after that, um, I believe that the loan pool sort of started to deteriorate. Basically what was happening was Honor uh, allegedly was um, offering uh, extensions well over the industry norm. If you look at any securitization um, kind of reg two, reg AB2, excuse me, you'll see um, loan modifications sort of land kind of somewhere between, you know, one and a half to maybe two and a half percent. Um, for securitized, um, you know, pools. Um, Honor was upwards to like 30, um, I think at the end, um, once once the securitization was kind of unwound, um, they were sitting at kind of 38% extensions, which is just absolutely unheard of, right? And obviously as a result, you know, they you tack on extensions, um, those balances are still due, money's not coming in, it's not flowing to investors. And, the consumers are, I mean, they're delinquent, case in point. Um, so at the end of the day, really, they they misrepresented their portfolio. And, and what ended up happening was, you know, the the, the pools, they, they collapsed. Um, I believe the SEC called it a house of cards, which is coincidentally what I name my fantasy football team every year. Um, but, but essentially, you know, KBRA, Kroll Bond Rating Agency, and S&P Global, they downgraded um, that securitization twice. Um, Honor went defunct. Westlake took over the servicing of that portfolio. Um, and when they could, they, they exercised their option to just purchase the rest of the outstanding notes and, and um, call it quits. What followed was a ton of, um, well, not a ton, but a decent amount of litigation um, for uh, the two founders. Um, I believe uh, their names were James Robert Collins and Robert Frank DeMio. Um, Civic SIVC Partners, um, which actually bought 99% of Honor and invested about 25 million in equity, took, them, uh, took the company and Collins in it separately to court to recoup that $25 million um, equity investment. Uh, they, they said basically um, in the court filing that, you know, it, 
the securitization collapse made it uh, nearly impossible to sell their stake in honor to anyone else. Um, that is still ongoing. There's a trial set for um, August of next year, 2022. Um, and, then, and then also the Department of Justice uh, is, um, indicted uh, both men as well as a third uh, accountant um, in May of last year. Um, and, and so on, on wire fraud, um, as it relates to this very case. So, so there's a ton of, of things going on and now they have the, this SEC and, and really it's just become this poster child of, you know, what not to do in the auto finance industry. And, and really, you know, we haven't seen anything like this definitely for as long as I've been on the beat. And I know, um, you know, these rating agencies, that was the one and only downgrade they've issued since the credit crisis in 2010. Um, so, you know, this is, uh, like you said, a story that we've been following for, for years now, and, and given the court dates um, and how slow uh, our legal system moves, I would imagine we'll continue following it for at least another year, if not longer. Yeah, I imagine we won't see the next step in this for a while, given that, I mean, it, it's not until next year that even the other case will be tried. Um, so we know that things move slowly, so I agree. We'll definitely have to keep keep checking on it. Right, and it, I mean, if you if you, I I know you. We all reported on this story on Friday, kind of um, when when the news of the SEC's um, probe kind of hit the wire, and it's just amazing to me. Like every step of the way in this um, complaint was just you know one egregious act after another after another after another, and it's just it's amazing to me that anybody it, it's just it's it's just kind of mind-blowing um and not something that you know is is regular in in our industry at all um so you know we'll see what comes of it and and what kind of um example these regulators and the courts want to make of uh the two um accused yeah what stood out to me too was you know allegedly they weren't even disclosing when they had to mark a vehicle repossession and sometimes even waiters so they had already sold it before disclosing the fact that they repossessed that car. And like, you know, I'm new to the industry, but I've, you know, covered things with repossession and I know it's, it's a big deal to repossess a car and you're, you know, you're supposed to let people know that that's happened. Obviously that a customer has not paid to the point of going and taking the car back. I mean, that you have to kind of get further down, um, the line of them not paying for quite a while to get to that point from everything we've covered. So that to me stood out too, just as the fact that that wasn't being disclosed and until at some point they'd, they've even already unloaded the car onto someone else before they, they told their investors that it happened. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely some uh, what nots to do in, uh, in the story for sure. But we'll, we'll keep following it and see what the next updates are and obviously how the trials and all that go and I'll see what comes out of it. Um, so also this week, uh, we do have some more power sports news to come. So we're excited about that. Uh, some other industry updates. And then um, me and some other members of the team are also attending a virtual event this week that's been hosted by Cox Automotive. Um, so really interesting discussions coming out there already today on electric vehicles, related financing, um, you know, infrastructure needs, things like that. Um, dealers, what they're kind of looking for, digitization um, has come up quite a bit. 
Um, so we'll be having a couple stories come out of there, some nice best practices as well, um, and some really newsy stories too. We have one coming um, related to Hyundai today. So uh, stay tuned for those for the rest of the week. Um, and also as a reminder, the Auto Finance Summit is just around the corner. Um, it's actually returning October 27th to 29th. So literally a month from today um, in Las Vegas. Uh, so Summit continues to bring together the best and brightest in the industry. Um, and we'll do so again this year. We have a really great speaker faculty lined up, nice mix of um, executives and professionals in the industry this year. Um, so if you want to learn more and you can register at autofinancesummit.com. Um, we also want to hear from you as always. So please rate the roadmap on whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, again, thank you for joining us for another episode of the roadmap and we'll see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.